Thank him, folks. Come on, guys. Sing it again. Yes. doing this, this is what I heard, this is what I heard the Lord say, I mean crystal clear, he said some of you are having a hard time with this but it's good for you because this is an exercise in crucifying your flesh this is an exercise in walking by faith, the fact that you don't want to do this is an indication that you need to do this because by doing this now you are walking by faith not by sight oh just praise the Lord, hallelujah Oh, in spite of what you feel, oh, hallelujah, oh, yes, I lift we'll my sacrifice praise. of praise, oh, God, oh, somebody praise him, yes, yeah, yeah, praise him, yeah. praise oh, him all over the house, Lord, we come to praise you. We come to give you glory. We come to lift your name. We've come to magnify. Even if we don't see it, Lord, we stand in faith in the power of the redeemed. We give you the praise. Somebody give him praise. Somebody give him praise. We walk by faith and not by sight. When things go wrong, it'll be all right. For someone greater is watching over me. My God cares too much to say. His mercies are new every day. I'll get down to pray and help. Is yes. on its way. Oh, yes, oh God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, 
Stir your faith this morning. Stir your faith. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. The faith of a mustard seed. Just give him a little. fixed on him maybe that's your neck maybe that's your first step maybe that's the baby step for you maybe you've never done this before then close your eyes and just focus keep your mind stayed on him this morning he keeps in perfect peace whose mind is stayed cemented staked off latched on to him Hallelujah. He said, why do you stand there and I praise me? He said, why do you stand there and I praise me? I'm so worthy. I am so worthy. He said, why do you stand there and I praise me? He said, I give you everything, everything you ask for, but why you stand there and I praise me? I'm not going to judge you, but I, I want to know why. Why you just stand there and not praise me? He said, I'm worthy. Praise your Lord. That is your God. Praise him. He loves you. Oh, my God. Y'all don't understand what love is. Jesus loves you in spite of your stupidity. I'm just going to be honest. It's time. You've heard a word from the Lord this morning, and we are commanded to respond. We ask you to break out of your comfort zone and worship him and to praise him. We praise him with the little, and he will supply us with the whole. He will supply us. He supplies us with his mercy, with his grace. Thank him in the small thing. Thank him in the small thing. Lord, I thank you for my life. I thank you for my clothes. I thank you for these old shoes. I thank you for breakfast this morning. I thank you for the sun. I thank you for the next breath. For you are the air I breathe. I thank you for all things good. I thank you for being my Lord. I thank you for being my Savior. You are master. You are Jehovah. I thank you for being my healer. I thank you for being my restorer. I thank you for the bed that I slept in last night. I thank you for the car that started this morning. I thank you for that cup of tea. I thank you. 
I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. I thank you. Somebody thank him. Somebody thank him. I thank you that that bill will be paid. I thank you for that next payment. I thank you for that job. I thank you for that phone call. I thank you. I thank you. I will never run dry because you are my father. And you are so good to us. You are so good. You know, we sit with our hands folded so pious as if we've got it all together. And he said that he could take it in a second. But because he loves us, he pours out his mercy. And he makes all things new. And he will supply the needs of his children, every single one of them. He will supply. So, Father, we thank you. We take a break from this this church service this morning to thank you. I just come to thank you, Lord. That's what it's about. I just come to thank you, Lord. Somebody thank you. I just come to thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yes. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you make all things new. And I just come to thank you. will follow you. Come on, sing that with us. standing still. Forward is moving forward. I remember there was a time in my life where I would allow myself to get frustrated because I didn't know what direction to go and so I would just sit there and wait and a wise man came up to me one of my big brothers in the Lord came up to me and said, you know, it's easier to steer a moving ship. It's easier to steer a moving car. You remember them cars? I had a car one time. I had a 66 Mustang when I first started driving. I didn't have no power steering in that Mustang. So when I started trying to turn the wheel, it was, it was pretty tough. But as long as I was moving in a general direction, it was easy to steer that wheel. And so as we're doing this and as we're worshiping, I opened up, you know, I, I look, looking around, seeking the Lord, and I see your hands up, and I see your hearts towards the Lord, and I hear the Lord's just smiling from ear to ear, just happy. That's all He wants. He's not after your works. He took care of that. He's after your heart. He 
just wants your heart. And so as we're doing that, I heard the Lord say, don't get caught up in what direction to move. Just go. I'll tell you where to go. I'll move you. I can drive your car a whole lot easier than you can. Just go. Just make a decision. Sometimes in our lives, the best decision is to just make one. See, we like the fact that we are children of God. We like that aspect. We like the fact that He wants us to choose to love Him. But when it comes to decisions in our life, I've had the Lord really say to me, what direction do you want to go? And I've said to Him, Oh, Father, you know, I want to go in your direction. And then I've had times, especially recently, where I've been moving in the direction and the Lord had just very slightly just speak to my heart. I don't mean I hear an audible voice, but I just know on the inside. He'll say, if you want to do that, I'll let you do that. I love you. If you want to do that, you can do that, and I'll let you do that. It's not going to hurt anybody. It's no harm in it. But he said, but if you'll let me, I'll take care of that for you so that you can do other things that I want you to do. So, I mean, what do you answer to that? Yes, sir. Sounds good to me. Just make a decision. Just start moving. Just the fact, the fact that you want to please Him puts you in the right place. It really does. Lord, I'm, I'm at a crossroads and I need to make a decision. The fact that my heart wants to please you pleases Him. And just say, Lord, I want to make a decision. I want to make the right decision. But at this point, i got to follow what I feel, what I sense, not feel what I sense in my spirit. And I want to please you. And so I'm going to take a step in this direction and trust that if that's not the right decision, because my heart is towards you and turned towards you, you will make that adjustment that I need. The law, the world wants you to get caught up in right and wrong. God just wants you to just love Him. He'll take care of the what direction. He really does. The the law has trained us to always be thinking black and white. He don't want you to think black. He don't want you to think white. He just wants you to think Him. And in Him, and living in Him, and breathing in Him, and thinking about Him, and moving with Him, in every chance, in every stage of life, He will direct your path. Do you receive it this morning? Hallelujah. Father, we thank You. And as Brother Langston said, that is so true. We have paused to just say thank you and worship you and give you our sacrifice of praise. So I thank you for that. I thank you that you love us and you care about us and you want to teach us and you want to show us, demonstrate to us, reveal to us everything that you have that pertains to us in this life. You received that this morning? This morning's message is uh, 
really your message, what you asked for. Back before the end of the year, we took some cards and we handed them out and we asked you to kind of give us feedback on what are some things that you're dealing with, that you're wrestling with, that you want answers to. And the number one response, which is the message today, the number one response was how to live a stress-free life. Well, He loves us so much, He just has demonstrated to you key number one, how to live a stress-free life. What we've done this morning. How many of you feel stressed right now? Be honest. Anybody? I wonder why that is. Because as we magnify Him, our problem, the thing that's causing the stress, just gets smaller and smaller and smaller. You got something? Understand the Lord is so heavy in my spirit right now. We are so blessed. Y'all, we are so blessed. The Lord said, You ask Him for these big things. But He said, You have not asked me for the little things. He said, I've placed everything in you that you need for your whole life. You don't look for him for directions until you get in trouble. Yes, he's going to be there. He said, but that's not how I ordain you. He said, and the good things you should pray with me too. You have everything that you need in your life. He loves us so much, y'all. He does. He said, he has forgiven you for your sins. He has forgiven you, Ricky, for your sins. He said, stop holding on to it. It is time to stop. Today is the end of it. You know, sometimes God gives us a warning. We don't want to listen to it. But I'm telling you right now, this is a warning. He don't bring condemnation on us, no. But sometimes he step back. And Satan go and say, Lord, is it my time? And he says, yes. Don't allow Satan to come do that. Don't. You have so much freedom in your life. Stop looking at your problems. It's not what you do for a living. It's not what you make. It's not who you are. Prestige. It's not that. It is Jesus himself. You guys have got to get this. I feel like it's a warning. I really do. I want your lives to be changed. I really do. I love you all. I used to be there. I did. I used to be there. But it's about God. It's about his lost. Open up your eyes and your heart, your ears, your spiritual ears. Let him use you where he called you to use you. You don't go through these things for no reason. You go through these things to help other people. And you have to go through things. But God is always there with his hand held out. Just reach and grab his hand. He's going to be there for you. He is. Y'all, we got to get it right. We do. We got to get it right. Thank you, Lord.
Just lift your hands. Just clap your hands. Praise the Lord. Lord, we thank you for that. We will. We will. We will. As an act of our will, we will to follow you forward. I'm not looking back. Not looking back. Moving ahead. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Glory. Some of you this morning, you, before you can give yourself, part of giving yourself away is giving something away. He said, come to me. Jesus said this. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Just give it away this morning. Just give it away. Oh, Lord, we give it away. Whatever it is that holds us back, we give it away. Oh, we 
forth and I feel like it bears repetition now and the word that came forth was your capabilities will be displayed in my abilities I gave my all so that you could give your all think about that for a minute the thing that you and I are capable of in the natural is made available to us through His abilities. It's not our abilities, it's His abilities. And He gave His all so that you and I could give our all. Oh, He gave Himself away so that you and I could give ourselves away. Gave himself away. Oh, he gave himself away so he could use you. He gave. Him 
could be used. Yes. <laughs> That's a good place to be. <laughs> You know how in school you used to get like extra credit for showing your work? You know what I'm talking about? You get a test or whatever and, or you get an assignment and your teacher would give you extra credit for showing your work. And the Lord said, you don't get extra credit for showing your work. You get extra credit for showing my work. <laughs> Hallelujah. We are so conditioned. We are so conditioned to believe that everything that happens in our life is a result of what we do. And really, that's not, that's not it. Everything that happens in our life, the biggest part of what's happened in our life, really is a result of what He's done but the manifestation of that happens as we respond to Him. That's the, really the works that you and I are called to do, is respond to Him. The Old Testament was, if you do, if you make, if you follow, if you don't say this, if you don't do this, then this will happen. But in the New Testament, it's simply He has already done this, so all you and I need to do is respond. Yes, I know. I know there's obedience. I know that you and I have to be obedient. We have to walk our lives up. I know that, but you don't tell a three-year-old that. You tell a 35-year-old that. You cannot, you and I cannot superimpose the conditions that are required of us of a mature believer on those that have just got born again. Because really, you, you, you aren't where you're at because of what you've done. You're where you're at because of you've responded in obedience to what he's already done. There is, Paul said, listen, I'm a Pharisee among, I mean, I'm a Jew among Jews. I'm a Pharisee among Pharisees. He said, I got you all whipped. I was born and bred and buttered for this thing. And he said, but I count all that as chicken caca compared to the knowledge of knowing Him. Let your bragging rights be in Him. Don't let your bragging rights be in you. Let, it, let our bragging rights be in Him. That because of what He's done, because of what He said, because of what He's provided for, now we can be used of Him. Amen? Hallelujah. 
well. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Hallelujah. this I speak for you for your own profit not that I may cast a snare upon you but that but for that which is comely and that ye may attend upon the Lord without distraction without distraction without distraction hmm what does that mean? Distractions. Mm. You know, this morning, this whole morning has been really distraction free. I mean, I could lay down and take a nap right now. I don't know about y'all. Now, I don't mean that because I'm tired. I mean just because his... So what have we done? Have we manifested something that wasn't there? Or have we simply got out of the way and really entered in to where He wants us to rest and reside daily? This is... I thought at first, I was like, well, what has all this got to do with strep? Man, I don't know about y'all, but if you and I would live in this place there would be no need for the word stress in our life. It would just simply be, okay, well, there's something else. Let's just go out give myself away. Lord, you're bigger and better and more powerful than all this. And just like they did in Acts where Peter and them came and said, oh, Lord, you are great. And they begin to just take all this time describing the Lord. And then it just in case, you know, they got behold their threatenings. And grant unto thy servant that with all boldness they begin to move. They mentioned their distraction once. I mean, a distraction is simply to get your eyes off of what you need to be focused on. And they need to be focused on Him. Hallelujah. So how to live a stress-free life. It's like that right there. It, or better yet, do it like this. You got to have, you know, you, you got, I understand we live in this world. We got to go to work. We got to pay bills. We got to do all these things. But at the end of the day, you and I need to understand that the largest part, really who we are is a spirit being. The flesh is weak. But the Spirit is alive unto God. So you and I now have a new perspective on how can we walk out of this place today and live a stress-free life. We can live in this environment at all times. Well, what if I find myself getting out of that environment? Then you just, I give myself away. I mean, what would that look like if you and I are driving and all of a sudden we just, I mean, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Put that, uh, 
Put that slide up, the first, the first slide of the stress guy. Not that one, the other one. The cartoon one. Ha. I'm a little stressed right now. So just turn around and leave quietly and no one gets hurt. I give myself away. You know, the enemy comes and he says, the law says that you need to stone this woman. What do you say? You know what Jesus did? I give myself away. Jesus never responded to pressure. See, that's, that's pressure. That's the result of somebody, put that picture up again. So he ain't giving nothing away. He's trying to hold on to it all. How to live a stress-free life. It's not in a formula. It's in Him. He took all of that so that you and I don't have to look like that. Thank you. Go to Philippians chapter 4. You got a few minutes. Philippians chapter 4. Why... Do we look like that? How to live a stress-free life? Oh, thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. How to live a stress-free life. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. My Bible says, be anxious for nothing. I think the King James says the same. The NIV says, do not worry or be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Let me tell you something about, I had everybody fill out that we're here Wednesday night. What's your definition of supplication? We read over that. We don't always know that. Do you know what we just did this morning? <laughs> we supplicated. The word supplication means to transfer all the weight and all the burden and all the, the force over it's it's more than just petitioning it it's an intensity of earnestness in extended prayer not to gain merit by many words but to fully transfer the burden of one soul into God's hand I mean there's a light there's a there's a lighter weight in this room this morning as a result of what we've done we've we're not careful for anything right now but we've held things up in prayer. There's some folks that came up here and held some. Maybe you were back there raising your hands. Maybe you were closing your eyes. Maybe you were transferring the weight of whatever it is that you've been wrestling with, transferring it over. And then what do we do? We started giving him thanks. We made our request known to God as if he doesn't know already what we have need of. But we transferred the weight of that thing. This morning, what weight are you carrying around? 
What is it that you're carrying around that you don't need to be carrying around? Hallelujah. Some of us are carrying things that you don't need to be carrying. He gives us the remedy. He gives us a key right here. He says, be anxious for nothing. I mean, if I don't know about you, but if he's going to tell me to do something, I think it'd be unfair for him to tell me to do something that I couldn't do. Wouldn't you agree? If he said, don't do it, and yet I didn't have the ability or the capability to do it, I would think that would be kind of unfair. You know? You know what I'm talking about? Like climb that wall right there, you know. So how you, you climb that wall? Well, I can't climb that wall unless you got the proper tools and equipment. I mean, I guess we could figure it out. But if he said, do not worry or be anxious about anything, he wouldn't tell us to do that if, he didn't, if we didn't have the capability to do it. The world wants us to think that. I was reading, when I was studying about this, I was reading about some things and it said, you know, how to manage stress. I don't want to manage that mess. I want to fire that mess. You know, so how do you manage disgruntled and disagreeable employees? You don't want to manage, you want to get rid of those people. You know what I'm talking about? How do you, how do you, how do you manage stress? We ain't trying to manage stress. We're trying to get rid of stress. In um, the word stress means constraining force or influence. A force exerted when one body or body part presses on, pulls on, pushes against, or tends to compress or twist another body or body part. I don't want nothing to do with any of that. The American Institute of Stress. Listen to what we've created. The American Institute of Stress. Stress is not a useful term for scientists because it is such a highly subjective phenomenon that it defies definition. Well, that ought to tell us right there that that is something that the enemy created. Stress. You got to manage your stress. Hans... Selye, in 1936, who actually defined stress or named it, defined it as this, the nonspecific response of the body to any demand for change. He found this out that by putting white rats through certain experiments that they would begin to come under the weight of those environments and those uh, tests and they would begin to respond in such a way that their blood vessels would constrict and their heart would beat faster. And he found that the persistent stress could cause these animals to develop various diseases similar to those we see in humans. In 1951, an issue of the British Medical Journal said this, Stress, in addition to being itself, was also the cause of itself and the result of itself. Stress is something that we've made up. The dictionary.com says this. The action on a body of any system of balanced forces whereby strain or deformation results. A load, a force, or system of forces producing a strain. You know what stress causes? Put that stress, number one cause of disease, up the slide. 
Stress. This is scientifically, medically proven. Causes heart disease, strokes, high blood pressure, colitis, irritability. Boy, that explains some of this. <laughs> some of you that are irritable, you're stressed. <laughs> Rheumatism, depression, migraines. Some of you struggled with that. Diabetes, hardening of the arteries, insomnia, fatigue. The other one, skin diseases, we got kids. Allergies, overeating, asthma, kidney disorders, ulcers, breathing problems, increased smoking. Now listen, I used to smoke a long time ago. I did, a long time ago, before I got free from it. I said that one time and this lady got up and left the church service. I did, I said that. Well, would you rather think that I'm just Mr. Perfect or would you rather me be real with you? I wasn't always walking at the foot of the cross. So back, you know, when Hitler was a private, when I was smoking, when, when I would allow those situations to come to me, or I would allow the stress to get to me, boy, I'm telling you, I could burn them up. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? So the very thing that I was allowing to stress me out, the mechanism that I was using to try to relieve that stress was really causing me more problems than it was helping. Isn't that how the enemy works? And so the thing that I was trying to do to, to you know, to deal with it, and I've told people before, listen, whatever, listen, deal with however you need to. You can't deal with nothing until you deal with Jesus. That's why sometimes we look at people's response to situations in their life and we judge the response without, how can we judge that response? These people don't know who Jesus is. They never walked in that. It's like looking at a three-year-old and saying, why can't you talk right and type? Why can't you answer that question? Why, we, we expect sometimes too much. And that's religion. That's, not, that's works mentality. That's not, God is not, Afraid of your problems or your stress management techniques. He's trying to get us to relieve the burden of that. So we know what stress is. So how do we live a stress-free life? Well, Philippians 4 to me says it all. Be anxious for nothing. Do not worry. The word be careful in the original King James says be careful for nothing. comes from the word that means anxious care. It means to care, be anxious, troubled, to take thought. Let me tell you the number one cause of stress. You're thinking on stuff and you're taking on these thoughts and you're carrying around these thoughts so a thought comes. And then another thought comes. And then another thought comes. And another thought. Another thought. Another thought. Another thought. And this is what we do. We're going around. Okay. So we're trying to carry all this stuff on. And we're walking around. This is what we're trying to constantly do. And then another thought comes. And we try to catch that. And we're trying to stuff that in there. And we're taking these thoughts. And all we're doing is we're protecting them. Well, I, I got to think about this. And I got to think about this. And I got to think about this. And... 
And, but what about this? And, and then, okay, well, we're going to go on vacation. And then what do you do? You go on vacation and, and you try to stuff all that stuff back in the box. And, and so you're constantly carrying this around. What is worry? Do not worry. He said, I like what he says in the King James. Be careful. Well, you better be careful. He wants you to be a risk taker when it comes to your careful life. He, he doesn't want us to take care. He doesn't want us to be careful. He wants us, listen, he's a lot better at managing your thoughts or your problems than you are. And so what has he designed to do? So a thought comes, a care comes, and you take that care and you say, all right, Lord, you said cast it over to you, so I'm putting it in your box. I don't want it no more. Well, what about this? What you going to do about this, Langston? I'm going to give it over to the Lord. Gonna, that's yours, Lord. I ain't worried about that. It's like, uh, be careful for nothing. Do not worry or be anxious about anything. I mean, Jesus said something about that over in Matthew 6. He said, why do you worry about tomorrow? It ain't even here yet. And you weren't, my, my grandmother was bad about that. Boy, she, she was, Lord, don't, Lawrence, don't go out there in that road. You may get hit by a semi-truck and have to go. I mean, she would worry about stuff that ain't even, why do you and I worry? Because we associate worry with responsibility. He, is, did he say for us, listen to this, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Does it say anywhere in that verse that we are to absolutely throw our hands up in the air and not do anything? What's he saying? He says, be careful, be anxious, take no thought, don't allow this thing to consume your thought life, but he gives us an alternative. Well, pastor, what about all this stuff I got going on in my life? Take it, and then what? You put the butt in it. You take all this stuff that is a tendency to be anxious. You know what things are a tendency for you to be anxious about. You know what things. You got a test coming up for you students. You got a bill coming due tomorrow. And you sit here in church and you can't even enjoy church because you're thinking about that $573.25. I don't even know if that's what it is. I'm just saying. Somebody go, man, that was prophetic. No, I'm just throwing a number out there. Don't get super spiritual on me. You're worried about that $500, $600, $700 payment that's due tomorrow, and you got a dollar and fifty cent in your checking account. You, can you change it right now? Then if you start meditating on that and you allow that thing to consume you, what's it gonna do? Your heart's gonna speed up, your blood vessels gonna constrict, you ain't gonna be able to sleep tonight. Because why? Because you worried and anxious, you've taken on the care, you've taken that thought captive. In the opposite, Paul said, what did he say, Casey? Take every thought captive and do what with it? Cast it down, bring it under the obedience of the word. So these thoughts, these responsibilities, they come to you. These things that you and I need to tend to you. What do you do? How do you live a stress-free life? You take that thought captive instead of being captivated by that thought. Your worry, you taking on that thought and walking around with it and thinking about it, sitting down, coming up with a nine-point strategy to overcome it is not doing you any good because you can't fix it anyway. 
I'm not talking about problems you can solve. Problems you can solve don't cause stress. I mean, really, they don't. Anything that you can change in and of yourself doesn't necessarily cause stress. But now, if you have 150 things that you can fix and you can't get to them all, that causes stress. I'm going to get to that in a minute. But right now, we're dealing with the thing. Things that you can solve. Oh, my water might spill. What do I do? Problem solved. I'm not stressed about that because I got the lid. Now, if I didn't have the lid, now what am I going to do? Gip, sit it down. Listen, we laugh, but listen, you and I, we laugh, but how many of these things do we take on? The Bible definition of be careful is you take that thought and now you've taken it. No, you've got to take it captive and you've got to say, okay, first of all, I need to give this away to the Lord. Father, you care for me. Matthew chapter 6 says, Does, look at the birds of the air. I mean, seriously. That's what he said in Matthew chapter 6. Go there real quick. Matthew chapter 6. It's funny because in verse 24 he says, No one can serve two masters. Then he goes right into do not worry. Therefore I say to you, verse 25, Do not worry about your life. What does that word worry mean? Being anxious, taking the thought, meditating on it. Do not worry about your life, what you shall eat, what you shall drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on. Is not life more than meat and the body than raiment? What does that mean? You and I are concerned with what we're going to eat and what we're going to put on. Is not life more important than that? I mean, I know Paris and Hollywood and New York, they try to get you to think that life is all about what you wear, what you drive, and what you live in. But we know statistically that's not true because people with the most money in the world, the greatest success in the world, are falling off the face of the earth for no other reason than they're unhappy. And your father, my father, my daddy is looking at us today and he's saying to us, why are you worried about what you're going to eat and what you're going to drink? Why are you going to take that thought? Well, what am I supposed to do with the thought, pastor? I mean, you tell me not to take, you just throw your hands up in the air and act like nothing's wrong. That's not what I said. Go back to Philippians. And then we're going to come back to Matthew 6. So keep your finger there. Philippians. Be anxious for nothing, but in how many things? But in everything by prayer and supplication. With, so you can't live out, it's like a, you know, if you're baking an apple pie, you can't leave off the crust, right? The topping, you know what I'm talking about? So as you're baking this pie, don't forget the thanksgiving. Why are you giving thanks for something that ain't even happened? Because that's faith. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So he says, he gives us the alternative. Lord, I got this thing coming up, and so I'm presenting it to you. And I'm asking you for your wisdom. Now that's prayer. What supplication? Lord, I'm going to spend some time taking this thing and getting it off of me and transferring fully the burden of it over you. And the best way to do that is to enter into what we did this morning. 
You can do that in your car. You can do that in your shower. You can do that in your closet, your prayer room, your war room, whatever you want to call it. That's what we do. We transfer that burden. Supplication is not begging. I read a commentary and I'm about, man, I wanted to pick up the phone and call somebody and said, you ain't, I can't even believe you would put that in, in anywhere in the Bible. There is nowhere when he says beg. Knock and the door will be open. Somebody said, keep on knocking. No, that's for you, not him. Keep on begging. Just beg God and him. He'll might let you one day in the soon by and by. Hallelujah, Jesus, get it to you. No, that is not who we serve. This morning, I'm not going to try to embarrass her, but I'm going to say, we were riding this morning and I got Laney with me. All my other family is at home sick, burning up with fever. And so mama's at home taking care of them. So she says hello. And man, I'm going to tell you, there's nothing that just irritates me more than to see your youngins not feeling good. And I think about that, and I think about how does God feel when we attribute what happens to us to Him? And so we're riding, and I say, I say, well, Laney, why don't we, because we always pray when we come. I always let them pray over us and me and all of us as a church, you know, and so we take turns. And so we're riding this morning, and I reach over, and I say, well, Laney, why don't you pray for us and pray for Mama? And so she starts praying, she says, Father, I thank you. Mama and sissies are healed and nothing's going to transfer and ain't nobody going to catch nothing else. And she's saying, Lord, you know, help my daddy preach real good. So I'm hoping I'm preaching real good because she's praying. And she says, she says something, Lord, I thank you that he's going to preach forth the word and I love you. That's, what, that's how she ended the prayer. And she stopped herself and she said, wait, I don't mean, no, that's good. It's like I asked her to pick up the phone and call God for us and just throw a little shout out. And she said, hey, look at here. Um, would you bless my mama, bless my sisters, and bless my daddy, and bless the church? I love you. She held the phone. That's how, what kind of a relationship we have with him. Love you. Oh, that was. No, listen, there is an honor, and, a, and I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a reverence. There, he is my father. He is my master. But I love him, and I can say love you. Appreciate you. Thank you, Father. That's what he wants. When you and I come to him now, when we got all this problem, and we see him as he truly is, now there's no, there's no time that it takes to transfer the weight of that burden over to him. Look, you love me. You said, you know, put him in remembrance of his word. Now go back to Matthew chapter 6. You said, Father, look at the birds. So I'm looking. They ain't got nowhere to stay. But they're here. They don't neither sow nor reap nor gather. Yet you take care of them. How am I not much more valuable than that? Did he not say that? Is that in red? I'm just making sure. It's orange in mine because I highlighted it. But it's red, right? That's the words of Jesus. Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? If anything, you get smaller by worrying. Because you constrict everything. You know, the guy with a cup of coffee going, the best thing to do is back away and nobody gets hurt. If anything, we're not adding anything. There is no benefit to us worrying. Turn to your neighbor and say, there's no benefit to you carrying that thing. 
Yes, but I thought, I thought I'm supposed to carry it. That's the responsible thing to do. No, I didn't say you don't ever think about it, you don't ever deal with it, but you carrying it as if it's yours to carry, you don't do that. You operate out of obedience. All right, Lord, I'm going to give this thing to you. When you're ready for me to take care of it, you just let me know. But I thought the bill was due tomorrow. Do you got the money today? Do you? Then what, what difference does it make for you to place any amount of effort in your thought life towards that problem? Did the Bible say anywhere that you and I are to meditate on the problem until the solution presents itself? What does it say? Seek Him first. Meditate on Him first. Alright, you ready? So why do you worry about clothes? Consider the lilies of the field and how they grow and they neither spin nor toil. And yet they look better than Solomon in all his glory. I mean, I don't know, I don't see no flowers getting a getting together and sowing and reaping and to, no, they just grow. Now, if God makes sure that they're clothed and the grass is clothed, which is here today and gone tomorrow, will he not much more take care of you? Listen to me. I find it interesting that. The very example that he's using is how good the lilies of the field really look. I mean, they're beautiful. And you think he wants you to wear holy. Not holy, but holy stuff. I mean, if it's in fashion, it's that floats your boat, whatever. I remember I was that age too. I wanted to rip jeans and all that stuff. I still got some that are ripped. I wear them around the house and work in them and all that. But you and I would get this impression that, that our Father wants us to be less beautifully dressed than the lilies of the field. Well, that's materialism. Well, that's not what he said. He said if they're clothed in all their beauty and they outside outshine Solomon, how much more will your Father clothe you? He didn't say they're beautiful and I clothe them real beautiful, but if you'll, if you'll just follow me, I'll make sure that you got some kind of clothes on your back. No. He wants us to be, I can't say that. He wants us to be an example of his goodness and his manifested glory to all those who come in contact with us. Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows what you need. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Twofold. The, the Amplified says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His way of doing things and His righteousness. So we are to follow after, Lord, what do you want me to do in this situation? Well, he may tell you to do something in that situation that lines up with the kingdom of God, but is contrary to normal human humanistic thought. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense for the problem that you're facing in your finances to be solved by you giving. But that's a kingdom principle. 
It doesn't make sense that in order for you to get a promotion at your job, you need to be last at your job. Because Jesus turned to the disciples and said this. He said, whoever seeks to be first shall be. And whoever seeks to be last shall be. In the kingdom of God is opposite and contrary to what the world thinks. You do not attain success in your life by stepping over people in the corporate rung of the ladder in corporate society. You and I gain success in life by allowing the favor of the Lord to be upon us because we walk in line with His principles. And there's no man, no company, and no business that can keep you from fulfilling what God has called you to do when you fall in line with Him. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 1 through 3 says, Bind mercy and truth around your neck, and so you will find favor in the sight of God and man. You ever had favor with somebody? You don't even know why. You just got favor. It ain't because you look good, although you do, because we're fearfully and wonderfully made. It ain't because you're smart, although you are, because His mind is in you and you have the mind of Christ. It ain't because you can do great things, although you can, because greater is He that is in you than He is in the world. You can do all those things. It ain't got nothing to do with that. It's because you have bound mercy and truth, and you have sought forth to seek the kingdom of God first and His righteousness. And now all these things are coming at you. Hallelujah. Let me say this. Let me, let me close. I want to close with this because I've, we've been through a lot. I think there's a whole lot I can say. But I think sometimes showing you something is better than trying to go through all this because God has just done so much this morning by instructing us in how to really live a stress-free life. But how much of the stuff Put that slide up that says how much of the stuff you're carrying is really what you're supposed to be carrying. It's the, I think it's the last one. It's the, yeah. I wonder how much of what weighs me down is not mine to carry. Where do I get that from? Well, I, I stole it from a meeting on Thursday. But it fits so good with the message and what God was wanting to say. And in Hebrews chapter 12, in Hebrews chapter 12, he says this. He says, therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does easily ensnares us. I find it interesting that he says, let us lay aside every weight and. Man, I saw that. I was like, I've never seen that before. Let us lay aside every weight and. Lay it. The implication is, repeat. The subject and the, I mean the verb again. Let us lay aside every weight and let us lay aside the sin that so, so, that's doth so easily entangle us. So that tells me that there are weights in your life that are not sin, but they are entangling you. There are weights that have been in my life that have entangled me. And it goes back to that analogy. He'll let you do it if you want to do it, but it's just going to entangle you. Don't let the urgent crowd out the important. 
Don't let the urgent crowd out the important. That's why it is so important for us to take up what it is that is weighing us down. You, every one of us need to periodically, once a year, twice a year, once a month, once a day, go to the Lord and say, Lord, this stuff that weighs me down, I want to present it to you with supplication, with thanksgiving, and I want to ask you about it. Do I really need to volunteer on that Tuesday? Do I really need to be involved in this? Do I really need to be involved? This is your pastor telling you that not everything that you put your hands to at the church is something you're supposed to be carrying. Boy, that's contrary to flies in the face of most churches. No, I don't want you to put your hands to everything. I want you to put your hands to what you're supposed to put your hands to. Some of you are carrying stuff you don't need to be carrying. It ain't, your, it ain't even yours and you're carrying it. Put that picture up with that lady in the, in the bicycle. Some of you look like that. But we see that and the world goes, man, that's a hard worker right there. You know what God says? No, that's a stupid worker right there. God ain't designed us to do all that. The Lord told me when we first came, and he said it to, the, he said it to me, and then, then I said it to the elders in an elder meeting we had. The Lord said he would teach us to carry the load without the weight. That's what he said. I remember it just like it was yesterday. I said, Lord, what am I going to do? Oh, my goodness. Lord, all this stuff is going on. What would I I mean, there's a hundred different things, and the Lord said, I'm going to teach you. I, and I am still, how many of you know I'm still in class? Are you? I'm still being taught. He said, I'm going to teach you how to carry the load without the weight. Can you imagine what that, I bet that don't weigh nothing if those baskets are empty. How much of the stuff in your life are you carrying that's not yours to carry? It's not yours. He ain't told you. Will you say I'm supposed to ask him about everything? Uh-huh. Sure am. That's what Philippians said. I mean, the wise man would. It, it, my life is not my own. To you I belong. Except for when I want to do what I want to do in life. No, my life is not my own. So before anything comes across my to-do list, I go, Lord, do you want me to do this? Do you want me to tackle this? Listen, need is not an indication that you need to fill it. Sometimes a need, Jesus was not moved by need. Jesus was not moved by need. Jesus showed up to the pool of Bethesda where there were thousands of people and he healed one. He's not moved by need. He's moved by faith. He's moved by the Holy, he's moved by two things. He's moved by the Holy Spirit and he responds to people in faith. That's how he's moved. We don't know what the Holy Spirit wants to do. We know he wants to help and heal and get people whole, but we don't always know the right timing. But you get somebody who's in faith, it don't matter. They'll, I mean, God will move. Smith Wigglesworth said God will move heaven and earth to get to one person who stands in faith. But you and I sometimes are weighed down and we can't believe God because we got all this other weight. But you got to be doing something. I mean, you know, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night. We'll give you Saturday night off and Sunday. You got the first Sunday in there. 
You got to be doing something. You got karate practice. Y'all got karate, right? That's jujitsu. Jujitsu. Pony practice, riding practice, whatever, horse riding practice, hog raising practice, tennis practice, baseball practice, football practice, soccer practice, piano practice, archery practice, date night, cleaning night, meatloaf night, spaghetti night, and before you know it, the end of the week is here and you try, you try, you get up in the morning and you come faithfully to Sunday morning service and you want God to get rid of it for you and he's telling you, I am half the stuff you're doing I ain't told you to do. You know, as a church, y'all got a few more minutes and then we'll close. As a church, it's real easy for us, for me to get caught up into doing everything. When we're a church, we're supposed to do everything. No, we're part of the body of Christ and not every joint does the same thing that another joint does. So what I'm seeing is the Lord really taking us this year and really fine-tuning us into what we're supposed to be doing. I would rather, I heard this the other day and I wrote it down, I would rather do some things great than a lot of things good. You, I would rather be a master of some things than a jack-of-all-trades. What do, we, what do I want to be known? What do we want to be known for as a church? I want people to look at New Covenant Church and say, man, they're serious about what they do. They believe in relationship. They believe in relationship so much they only got one service a week, Sunday. And the other times they meet at everybody's houses and they eat and talk and share and pray. That's what I, I want them to say. They're not doing it like normal church. They're doing it like normal Christian church should be according to the Bible we can't be all that you can't do it all so what you need to do what I need to do here's key number two to relieving the stress in your life you need to take an inventory of everything you're doing and you need to ask the Lord is this what I'm supposed to be doing and people are going to look at you and they're going to say well you're supposed to you got I mean we live in a society that says you got to run all over the place. You know, to this day, the most successful, the most rich, the wealthiest people are Jewish people. You know why? They take an entire day and they rest. The Gentiles, the Pharaoh and his bunch, the Romans, all throughout history, they always thought Jewish people were lazy because they took an entire day and did, now listen to me, they didn't do nothing. They just did nothing when it comes to their work. Whatever you put your hands to, whatever it is that is required of you to produce something for your household, they would rest from that. For me, is Fridays. That's my sabbatical. What does that mean? I, I try not to answer the phone. I try not to return emails. I try not to do any of that because, of, because that's the way that I produce. That's the way, that's what God's called me to do. So that's what I put my hands to. So I rest from that to remind myself my life is not my own. And I fail at it sometimes. Your life, if, if you don't organize, if you don't get yourself straight with God, if you don't say, Lord, what's priority in my life? If you don't do it, trust me, the world will line up behind you and they will dictate to you every minute of every day and you will never get anything important done, but you will always be running around taking care of what's urgent.
And I, listen, I'm, this, I'm telling you what God has taken me through. I'm not telling you something that I'm sitting up here downloaded from some website. I'm telling you what he's taken me through. He's telling me you got poor time management. Because there are things in my life that are important. And somehow I never put those on the calendar. All this other stuff ends up taking it. It does. And he's saying to you and to me, Philippians 4 is almost a daily thing. All right, Lord, I got some stuff I got to do today. You tell me what I need to do. Everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Present your request to God. Let me tell you something. The problem is not that people aren't committed. The problem is that people are overcommitted. You got too many irons in the fire. You do. We all do. And we live in a society that tells us that if we, the more irons we got in the fire, the better we are, the more successful we are, the faster we are, the more wealthy we'll be. What difference does it make if you got a billion dollars and you ain't got no time to spend it, share it, or enjoy it with your family? Man, I'm stepping on y'all's toes because y'all are looking at me like, oh, he's all up in my cookie. Listen to me. Would you rather have a few extra hundred dollars in the bank account every month or would you rather have a little less? Now listen, this, I'm, I'm, just, I'm rationalizing it with you from the world's standpoint and then I'm going to put God's spin on it. But let's assume what the world's saying. Well, if you do this and you do this, you put an extra X amount of dollars in your checking account every week or every month. Would you rather have that but have no time to spend with your family, friends or whatever or... Would you rather spend that quality time and maybe have a little less, but you got a little more invested in, in each other? And see, that's the lie. Because God said, if you'll, just if you'll put me first, I'll make sure the extra couple of hundred dollars is going to end up in your checking account anyway. I know that our jobs are demanding. I'm not taking away from that. I'm not taking away from our responsibility to, to work. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is allowing the world's way of thinking to come in and superimpose what God's way of thinking is. Some of us are too strung out, too stressed, and too busy to enjoy anything that God has for us. People say, well, I don't have time. Yeah, that's an excuse. It really is. I mean, I think about all the time I spend maybe watching a television show or I don't even like Facebook. I'll be honest with you anymore. I tried to get back on Facebook and, hey, how you doing? God loves you. Be blessed. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Tweet, tweet, tweet. And then it never fails. All that gets drowned out by somebody's drama. That's just me. Now, my sheep, April's on it. We, it's a great way of communicating. I don't have the time to invest in it because I would just be like, God, what is this man? I'd be carrying the weight of everybody's drama. I don't. How much, of the, how much of your time do you spend doing this? Be honest. <laughs> how much of your time do you spend doing this? How much of your time do you spend working? How much of your time do you... I'm not saying any. I'm telling you that I'm just simply communicating to you what the Bible says. And the Bible says, lay aside every weight and the sin. The Bible says in Philippians, 
but in everything. So I'm telling you that you and I have to do that daily or else we will... If God is your source, you're, you're, you cannot make a decision in your life based on anything other than God told me to do it. Now, the Bible says that if a man does not provide for his household, he's worse than an infidel. I don't need a word from the Lord to get a job. But what I do need is I need a word from the Lord for the right job. Let me tell you something. (laughs) You'll get a kick out of this. If you don't have a job, when a job comes along to you, that is the right job for you. (laughs) But God will lead you. God will take you. God will straight. You understand what I'm saying? Take what it is and bring it before the Lord just like we did this morning and say, Lord, what what are you saying? What are you saying? Ministry, I'm I'm just giving you my perspective. Ministry for me, if I will allow it, will consume my family and my life. But really it's not ministry, it's me. It's me allowing that to consume my life. Stand with me. Thank you, Lord. Sometimes the best thing that we can do is take a deep breath and hold it up to the Lord. Say, Lord, what you want me to do about this? Don't... I endeavor, I won't say that I've never, because I mean, I'm human, I can miss it, but I endeavor, every time I sit down with somebody, and they start talking about joining the church or whatever, I endeavor to sit down with them and I endeavor to say this. I don't want you, you know, if you're looking for a place to get plugged in, listen, there's plenty of places to get plugged in. We got plenty of needs. I want you to get plugged in to what the Spirit of the Lord is drawing you to. And I may ask you to do something, but listen, just because I ask you to do something, that don't mean you got to say yes. It doesn't. And I'm, I've trained and, and continued to try to train our leaders, those that are over various you know, areas of leadership. You have not because you what? Langston, we need some help in this area. Would you pray it? Don't go saying, the Lord spoke to me and said you were supposed to. No. Would you pray about whatever it is, and let me know. Would you pray about it? Let us lay aside the weight. So, so what is it? Number one, we're worrying about stuff. We're trying to take it thought. We're taking captive. We need to learn to give ourselves, give that stuff away. That's number one. You can't do anything without that. Lord, I give it away, I give it away, I give it away, I give it away, I give it away now. Give it away. <laughs> number two, you got too much on your plate. And I don't say that lightly. I mean, I say that I don't even necessarily need an unction. I mean, I can look at some of you and tell you got too much on your plate. How? Because stress has a way of revealing itself. 
you got too much on your plate. You need to clear your plate and then start putting stuff back on your plate that nobody else but the Holy Spirit tells you to put on. Because if you and I are not obedient, what is the opposite of obedience? Huh? Which is rebelliousness, which he said is pride, which James tells us that God, what? Resists. Father, we thank you for leading and guiding us into all truth. Thank you for giving us our priorities and setting us straight. Lord, I thank you that you are the one that really coordinates our schedules, helps us to identify what's priority and what's maybe urgent. Lord, help us to give it away. How do we live a stress-free life, Lord? We live it by living our life in you, allowing you to dictate in your word everything that we do in our life and bringing ourselves under the obedience of your word. Hallelujah. I'm going to close this in prayer, but I want you to hold up one hand, both hands, whatever you want to do. Just hold it up to the Lord. Close your eyes. And just say, Lord, I give you my life. All the activities, all the functions, all the priorities, all the responsibilities, everything that involves my life and my time, I give it to you. I want you to give me my schedule. What is important? What's valuable? What do I need to do? And I will be obedient to what you say in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I was going to say I've kept you here long enough, but I'll let Casey. I just want to say amen for Joel this morning. Can you play on again? Well, y'all come gather around Casey and we're going to let Casey be the, uh, we'll let you stand in for Joel and then we'll let you stand in for everybody that's dealing with sickness and disease. Y'all stretch your hands forth towards Casey. Father, we pray for Joel who has fallen. Again, Lord, we thank you that your power, your healing power has the ability to supersede the natural laws because the natural laws come from the spiritual laws. And so, Lord, we just thank you that it is by your power that we declare mended, healing, fix the problems, fix the things that were broke or bruised or hurt. Father, fix that in the name of Jesus. Father, everyone that is sick, everyone that is dealing with whatever it is in the air, whether it be the pollen or the seasons or whatever it is, I don't care what name it is, it all has to bow. And we declare right now in the name of Jesus, healing throughout all of our body, the body of New Covenant Church, the church family, we declare healing over anyone and everyone that is involved. And we declare healing over them to such a degree that when they come in contact with their friends and their family and their co-workers that are hurt and afflicted and sick, that they would experience the healing power of God and it would be a testimony and a demonstration of the love of God according to your word in Jesus' name.
Everybody said. Amen. Amen, amen. Well, listen, you are dismissed. Have a great week. Don't forget Wednesday nights or connect groups. We'd love to see you. Amen.